something. I want to preach a sermon that some of you will recognize the title. I'm going to preach a sermon entitled Running Out of Time. Our scripture today is going to be Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 through 21. Amen. I didn't even got there yet, and y'all are ahead of me. That's great. Some of you were here last week, and you're, you're thinking maybe you stepped back into a whole nother year. Many of you may be thinking, wait a minute, Pastor. Last week you preached running out of time, and that was the same slide, and it was the same picture. I shared with you then that when God laid this sermon on my heart, he gave me two different sermons. They blend together, they tie together, but I felt it important that I preach both of them. So today, it's not really part two, it's version two. Uh, but I want to preach again, running out of time. And again, oh, it didn't start. Good, my timer's not running. <laughs> um, but I want this morning for you to open your Bibles with me. There you go. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse number 15. It's what the word of the Lord says. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand the will of the Lord. Understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, which is, I never can say that word. Uh, dissipation. There you go. I missed it last week. Missed it again. But be filled with the Spirit, See, speaking to one another in spiritual songs, singing and making, excuse me, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you right now and we thank you and we praise you for your power. We thank you and we praise you for your anointing and your peace. And Lord, I ask that as we go into this service, into this sermon, Lord, I pray that you would reach down right now and do a supernatural work in my life. Lord, I want you to clear my head, clear my heart. And Lord, right now, I want you to allow me to speak your word in a very real and timely way so that everyone who hears it can understand it and can run with it. Lord, I give you praise and I give you honor. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated all around the building. As I looked at starting this service today, as I looked at this message, I began to think about the power of taking our time and doing the right things. 
I began to look and understand that as we talked last week, we have too many things invading our lives. We have too many things that are taking up our time, and the reason we don't have time to pray, and the reason we don't have time to read our Bible, is because we've got other things that have become more important to us. But as I looked at that, I began to realize that's not the whole story. The Bible says here, and we started the same place last week, it says that, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. There has to come a place in our life that we quit living foolishly. What do you mean living foolishly? Do you know what the definition of insanity is? Doing the same thing over and over again. And expecting different results. That's insanity. Mm, I'm a ba- mm, I might as well just sit down for the whole thing today. Not as fools, but as wise. This verse, just before he talks about making the most of your time, He says, walk circumspectly, paying attention to what's around you, not as fools, but as wise. He's telling us, quit living our lives in a rut. You know what scares me about this verse? How foolish churches become. We have an opening song. We welcome visitors. We have four praise and worship songs. We have a sermon and a pastor's prayer. And I just changed pastor's prayer to the end. That, oh, we're doing that different? Let me tell you something. When we keep doing the same things over and over and over again, they become foolish. One of the things I love about our church is that we will allow the Spirit to move. One of the things that I don't like about our church is we keep going back to our pattern. Now, I'm talking to me right now. I lay out the schedule. We have got to understand that when we keep doing the same things, when we keep offering just the same ministries we've always offered, When we begin to talk about why do we do this or that in the church, if the answer is because that's what we've always done, we're on the borderline of foolishness. Oh, I know I'm making some people nervous. I, I, I got news for you. When we begin to think about the fact that we're running out of time, what would you do? If I told you that next Friday morning at 7.32 a.m., the trumpet was going to sound. Some would say hallelujah. Some would get a pit knot in the pit of their stomach and then start praying. Some would be on the phone this afternoon calling every one of their family members saying, listen, 
you got to get right with God. I can guarantee you that if you knew that at 7.32 a.m. Friday morning, the trumpet was going to sound, you wouldn't stay home to work. You would be at every church you could be at. You would be bringing everybody you could bring. You would be asking us, are we doing a revival until then? Is there a way? Because we're running out of time. But right now we live in a life foolishly. We're not running out of time. So we think. So what we've always done is good enough. And if I get there, I get there. And if I don't get there, that's okay. We're not looking about, we're not walking circumspectly. We're trying to live by habit rather than live by calling. Church, I'm telling you, we don't have time to be foolish. It's time to be wise. Because as you go into the next verse, it says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Making the best of what we have because the days are evil. We are living in the last days. We are living in the season that Christ could come back. Let me just chase a little rabbit trail today. Somebody told me yesterday I preach about two hours. So we'll try to live up to that today. My timer's not working, so hey, I'm good. All of a sudden, when I was a kid, I heard about the end of time. Heard about the beast and the mark of the beast. And it all sounded so sci-fi. Now, I read, I hear on the news three weeks ago that in Sweden, they are starting to inject people with a computer chip so they can pay their bills with their hand. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I, I, I don't know that the computer chip is the mark. I don't think you'll take the mark by accident. But I'm telling you, what used to sound like science fiction now sounds like truth. What used to sound like there, I, I can't imagine that. Now I'm starting to think as a pastor, what is my stance on computer chipping going to be? Because if my kids don't face it, my grandkids will if the Lord tarries. When their kids are born, it'll be, let's put a chip in that baby. And that way the medical records will always be there and they can't be abducted and they can't be taken away and it will stop, it will stop, uh, everything from sex trafficking to, to child abduction. Uh, it will make, uh, health, health codes safer and they'll have all these good reasons. What is our stance going to be? Oh, I, 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 I'm telling you, that's the world we live in. We live in an evil world. So we had better get our minds about redeeming the time. 
we better get in our hearts that it's time to make the most of what we've got. I don't know nobody to invite to church. The Greek for that is baloney. Where's Gunner? Baloney. You know people that don't go to church. Dear Lord, have mercy. You go to Souls Harbor right now. You know people that are a part of this church that don't go to church. Let's get real. As they say, let's talk about the elephant in the room. You look around and you see people that have been core parts of this church that don't even bother to come to church anymore. It's time that we start redeeming the time and we call. We have been required to make the best of what we've got. But we go through the motions. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night prayer, Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night. Ain't I holy? I love Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Monday night prayer, and Bible studies. I love all that stuff. But if we're just doing it because we've always done it, we're wasting our time. Amen. This year is going to be a challenge for some. Because we're going to have some conversations in this church. Are we redeeming our time? We're going to come to church on Sunday night. Are we coming to church on Sunday night because we've always done it because nobody else does? Are we coming to church on Sunday night because we want to get close to God? And if we want to get close to God, then why is only half of us want to get close to God? We're going to come to church on Wednesday night. Is it because we want to learn more about the Word? Is it because we want to hear the Word of God again? Or is it because we've always went to church on Wednesday night? And we've got to do something while the kids do their thing. And if we really want more of God and we want to grab a hold of His saying, why is it only 10% of us want it? And yes, I said 10% of us. We average in the adult Bible study 7 to 10 people. We're going to have some conversations on are we redeeming our time? Is there a better way to reach out? I talked to you last week a little bit about sometimes you've got to slow down to go faster. There may be some things, some changes in our schedule. Not because I want to change the schedule. There may be some changes in our schedule because obviously we're living food. We're doing I got a whole nother sermon to preach here in a second. I'm going to get there. No, actually, this fits in later, so I'm going I'm to say it later. That way God can soften it up a little bit. 
You go on. And he says, Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So the first thing we got to do to quit being foolish to quit being unwise is we got to understand what the will of the Lord is. Well, I can tell you what the will of the Lord is. The will of the Lord is found in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'm about to shock some people. I'm about to bust some people's spiritual bubbles. It is not the will of God that we be filled up to overflowing and have great worship services. It is the will of God that we go and make disciples. Our problem is we've made church about us. I go to another church. Why are you going to another church? Cool. I like their music better. I like their preaching better. They get out of church on time. See, I, 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 I. But when we quit being foolish and we start living as wise, we begin to find out what the true will of God is. And what the will of God is, is that we make disciples. If we're not reaching people, we need to change it. If we're not reaching people, we need to do something different. Pastor, what are you talking about? I, I don't know. If we're not reaching people on Wednesday nights, maybe we need to go to home cell groups. Well, of course, to go to home cell groups, somebody other than my wife and I have to open up their house. Because mm. right now, that's the only house that has a Bible study in it. Yeah. If If... if Home cell groups isn't working, then maybe we need to do something else. If going through the motions of a service on a Sunday night isn't working, maybe we need to find another way to reach our community. If we, I'm going to tell you, if we can only reach half our church people, how in the world we think we're going to reach the world? Maybe we need to change some stuff. Maybe we need to look at our ministry list and figure out why in the world are we doing this ministry. If it ain't working, let's fix it. I once heard somebody say about a ministry I was a part of. So Youth Leaders Association in one of the states that I ministered in. And our overseer came in. No, our new youth director. He wasn't overseer then. He was a new youth director. And he come in and he met with all of us youth pastors. And he said, let me tell you about our Youth Leaders Association. It either needs a shot in the arm or a shot in the head. That's what we got to figure out. We either got to give it some medication and fix it or we got to kill it. See, our problem is we've become married to the things we've always done instead of being married to the I told you to hold your breath today. We've got to understand 
what the will of God is. I'm trying to move through this. I'm going to back up. I didn't make a slide for this because I wasn't sure if I wanted to go here, but I'm going to go here. The next verse says, and do not be drunk with wine, which is whatever that word is. King James says, which is in excess. Other versions say, which destroys your life. But be filled with the Spirit. I do believe that Paul is talking about drinking wine and getting drunk. Destroys your life. But boy, something jumped into my heart. We need to quit getting drunk with power. We need to quit getting drunk with tradition. See, when you get drunk, all of a sudden, everything becomes distorted and your view is not right. You can no longer walk a straight line. You don't make right decisions. Our problem in the church, we may not be drunk with wine, but we're drunk with I got to have a position. We're drunk with tradition. We ain't ever done it like that before. Well, my... Well, my daddy made that. We can't take that out of the church. My aunt bought that picture. It's got a... Grow up. We've become distorted in our view because... We don't work ministries, we don't volunteer, we don't attend, because everything else comes before church. Oh, but I serve God at home. I doubt that. If you can't serve God in a body of believers, how in the world do you think I can believe you can serve God at home? If you can't commit... If you can't come in, I'm not even talking about Sunday night and Wednesday night and prayer service and Bible studies. I know that takes a lot of time. I taught last week how that we don't have any time. But dear Lord, we even struggle committing for one service. Well, I just don't like the way it flows. We're drunk. We have become distorted by our views. We've got to not be drunk, but we've got to be filled with the Spirit. Can I just be honest? I know some of you are going, dear Lord, what else have you been doing all day? I sit on this platform during praise and worship practice, and we all talked about the Holy Ghost goosebumps we were already feeling in practice. We, we got into to worship, and yeah, we had a couple struggles. But then it started flowing again. And, and I could feel, I could feel the fire. And I opened my eyes, and I got about half the church worshiping. And the other half. I got half the church worshiping because mm, I got half of half. Half of the half that's worshiping is worshiping because that's what we're supposed to do right now. They're getting louder. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. 
Lord, they changed keys. It's awesome. I mean, you've been around Pentecost long enough to know, man, if that song ramps up just a little bit, it's time to shout. Man, if you get good enough, you can do those half steps every course, man. By the fourth one, you're like, they can change a key. It's awesome. We're drunk. We're drunk in our idea of what worship is. We have begun, become drunk in thinking that worship is about the sound of the music and the talent of the song. I believe that half of the half that was worshiping were worshiping. Then I had half the church. I don't know that song. I, I don't know that song. It was a long night last night. <laughs> I'm just going to rest here in the presence, presence of God. Yep, that's what you sound like, drunk. When we quit letting our drunkenness distort our vision, then we start seeing what it's like to see God. And when we see God, it changes our life. It changes our heart. Mm. Giving thanks always for all things. Giving thanks always for all things. You're going to say, how in the world did you get here? That's where God sent me. Matthew chapter 14. I'm going to begin reading verse number 24. It says, but the boat was in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it's a ghost. And they cried out with fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, be of good cheer. It is I. Being, don't do not be afraid, Pastor. What are you talking about? Jesus walking on the water for that don't fit yet, yeah, does? God showed me something this week, even better than what He showed me last week. I probably still got a third sermon on this, but I don't think I'm going to preach it. When Jesus had fed the five thousand, He sent the disciples out on the boat. He dismissed them and went up to pray. Now, the first thing you, you, you got to understand in this story, and I've preached this before, Jesus never intended to take a boat across the sea. When he sent them out, what he was saying to himself and what the picture is, is I've got a new way to get to the other side of the lake. I got a new way of doing this. And the fourth watch of the night, about three o'clock in the morning, there's a storm at sea, and the boat starts rocking. And the, what, the Bible says the water was contrary. But the fourth watch of time, 
the church was going along and the society became contrary. And it was bashing against them. Inside that boat was who? Inside that boat was disciples. Now, there were some of them that had no clue, and I understand them maybe getting a little afraid when that boat starts rocking back and forth. Matthew, the tax collector, he may have been like, give me a table. But also on that boat, you got Peter and James and John and Andrew who are fishermen. They've been in storms before, but even they were struggling. Say about the fourth watch of time. The church is in a sea of humanity that becomes contrary. And there are many that become afraid, but even the pastors, even the spiritual leaders begin to battle the contrary waves. But all of a sudden, they looked up. Jesus wasn't, Jesus was going to meet them on the other side. But the waves came up. So the Bible says he started walking toward them. And when they saw him, they said, oh, it's a ghost. Do we understand that when we face contrary attitudes and contrary spirits and contrary trials and struggles, that Jesus is going to come to us supernaturally, however he can come. And instead of crying out to him, we spend most of our time going, oh, no, I don't know what I'm going to do. This verse that we read back in Ephesians says, giving thanks always for all things. When was the last time you thanked God for a hard time? James says to. James says, if you want to grow in God, thank you for diverse temptations. When we hit contrary water, God does miracles. Do you know what we do? Pastor. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if you notice this. We don't have as many people as we used to. Trust me, I noticed. I don't know, we're going to die. Have you ever thought that we got to get into some contrary waters before God can walk on them? You ever thought that maybe we need to start praising God? Our world, we don't understand this anymore. But do you know that there were forest fires before man-made forest fires? And you know they were beneficial because trees would fall and die. And lightning would strike and ignite a fire. And it would burn out the dead growth. And all of a sudden, on the bottom of the forest, the new growth could take light. Because now it got sunlight. And it could grow. The nutrients that were burned would feed the new growth. And the forest would replenish itself.
I'm going to say this as gently as I know how to say it. You know what our problem is? We never allow fires to burn out old growth in the church. We don't allow fires to burn out old growth. I want you to do me a favor. If you're over 30 years old in this church, I want you to raise your hand. I want you to look around and see how few people we have under 30 years old in this church. Now, if you're over 40, keep your hand up. If you're over 50, keep your hand up. Ooh, got to put my hand down. Keep your hand up. <laughs> you, you are 50. Put your hand up, woman. <laughs> now, now, here's what I... Now, please don't misunderstand. You can put your hands down. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that if you're older, we don't love you. But you know what this picture means? In 20 years, and I've done this before, where are most of you going to be in 20 years? Unless, unless I'm like Brother Lowell. I got, I got 40 years to go to keep, to keep up with him. He'll still be around 40 years from now. Him and Sister Annie will be married 170 years and they'll still be going. We, I, and I, we've got to have, we've got to have that generation that speaks life and teaches us lessons. But if we're not allowing young growth to grow up, we're going to die. If we're not allowing New attendees to come in. That means we're inviting them. That means we're, we're loving on them. We're caring for them. If we just keep it about us, we're not letting new growth grow up. And when we die, the church dies. But I got news for you. If we will start celebrating everything. Celebrating everything. Good things. Oh, that's awesome. Bad things. Thank you, Jesus, because you've got something in store. God hasn't told me this here. I, I wish he would. But when I went to Wilmington, Delaware, and we were having some struggles, God told me, I'll send you three people for everybody that leaves. Man, I was like pushing them out the door. Go! <laughs> Go! <laughs> And I don't know that I got quite three, but we grew. Every time somebody left, somebody else come in. People are going to leave our church. Why be sad and cry about it? Let's celebrate. If they go to another church, praise God, then go bless somebody else. If they don't go to church, then they go on to our evangelism list and we start reaching out to them. Hey, what can we do? How can we get the gospel back? It teaches us to evangelize again with people that we know. Some of you have told me for years you don't know anybody to invite. I can give you a list. 
we've got to start giving thanks always for everything. When Jesus appeared to them walking on the water, he says, be of good cheer. It is I, don't be afraid. You can celebrate in the middle of the storm because I'm here. You can smile in the middle of the storm because I'm here. You can smile. You can celebrate the times of trial and fear and doubt and darkness because I'm still here. I've come by today to tell you, give thanks because God is in the house. Then he says, he ends his passage by saying, submitting to one another. Submitting to one another. First actually says, submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. Let me tell you something, church. When we begin submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord, it means that we start putting other people first. We start being willing to step out of the boat. As you continue to read the story in Matthew chapter 14. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind was boisterous and he was afraid, he began beginning to sink. He cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hands and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Submitting to one another starts putting other people first. Can I tell you that we've got a world in this city that are dying and going to hell. We've got a generation in our nation that to most of us are weird. Millennials are different kind of characters. Gen Zers, which come behind the millennials, they're different kinds of people. Many of us in this room are, are Gen Xers. Got a few baby boomers still here. We, we looked at life differently. But I'm going to tell you, baby boomers were given more than their parents had. Gen Xers became selfish because the baby boomers wanted to do what their parents did, and they, they spoiled us to the point that we became selfish. And then the millennials had to try to figure it out on their own because mom and dad was too busy taking care of mom and dad to take care of the kids. Come on. But can I tell you something? We were, it's amazing. They were just talking about this during the Sunday school hour back in the sound booth. And baby boomers, they listed people born between 46 and uh, 63, I think it was. Gen X, born between 64 and 80. 
millennials born between 81 and what was it, 2000? 99 or 2000. And Gen Z's from then up till now. Let me tell you something. I'm in the heart of Gen X. And I'll be 50 this year. I looked up the other day and I realized that I'm not a kid anymore. I looked up the other day and realized that I'm supposed to know what I'm doing. People calling me on the phone asking me for advice. I'm supposed to be the one calling other people asking for advice. And I realized that to them, I actually had one young pastor not long ago say, well, I, I just wanted to reach out to, to somebody that had more experience than I did and get an experienced answer. And I'm like, he called me. <laughs> he was supposed to ask me, do you know anybody that's experienced in life and in ministry? But I am. I've been preaching for 30 years. Been pastoring in some form or fashion, youth or senior pastor for 25. I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm old. If we allow this church to only be a baby boomer and a Gen Xer church, there will not be a church in 20 years. This building will become a warehouse. Are we willing to be selfish enough to say, y'all go find your other church. This one's ours. What do you mean, Pastor? I mean, somewhere we got to be Peter. Lord, if that's you, call me and I'll get out of this boat. I'll do something different. Jesus, every time you ask him, that will say come. Peter steps out of the boat. We always talk about the fall, but most of us are too afraid to step. Jesus steps out of the boat, and he begins to walk. As he walks on the water toward Christ, then he sees the wind. One translation I love it says, and he saw the wind. You can't see wind. You can see the result of the wind. You can't see wind. He saw things he couldn't see. There were challenges. But instead of thanking God for the challenges, while I'm walking on water in a storm, he became afraid. And he, he walked out on that water. And when he began to become afraid and he began to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Let me give you a great picture. Jesus reached out and picked him up and said, oh, you have little faith. Why didn't you believe? You were doing the supernatural. You were doing something that nobody else has done but me. You could have kept doing it if you just believed. When we are willing to step out of our tradition, to step out of our foolishness and do something that nobody thinks is possible. They were afraid in the boat and Peter was willing to get out of the boat. 
we can do the supernatural. All we've got to do is keep our eyes on God. If we stumble, he's going to pick us up. He's going to, he's going to take care of us. Our struggle in making the best of the last days is we can't make the best of the last days if we won't let the past days go. We cannot make the best of the last days if we can't let the past days go. Peter would have never known what it was like to stand on water if he had not let go of the fact that he was supposed to be in a boat. Our church is coming to a place that we have a decision to make. We can die or we can step out of the boat. What does that mean? What do you mean step out of the boat? I mean start doing some things different. I mean start saying, okay, this is not working. What's a new idea that we can do? How can, how can we change a schedule? How can we change a ministry? How can we change a, a format? How can we change a style? How can we this, that, or the other to allow God to show us what supernatural movement he has for us? But it never happens as long as it's all about us. As long as it's about I want what I want, when I want it, the way I want it, we can't walk. But when we start submitting to one another, you know what happens when you submit to one another? You start saying, oh, man, you like stuff from Brownsville. So we'll sing some stuff from Brownsville. You like some of the older stuff. We'll sing some of the older stuff. I'm just using you. You like some of that new sort of rock and roll stuff. We'll sing some of that. <laughs> Instead of fighting over what kind of music we sing, we say, look, let, 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 let's do that hymn. Everybody knows I'm a rock and roller. We're going to get us a lead guitar here pretty soon. Yeah, boy. I've already told everybody, you might as well start practicing. Next time I leave worship, we're doing old church choir. Um, got an old church choir ringing in my soul. Anyway, um, I, I like new stuff. I like, I like, you know, but I tell you what, there are times that I walk around the house going, I'll fly away, oh glory. That's not my style. But you know what? I can be blessed by it because I'm submitting to other people. Man, I, I am not a bluegrass person until Brother Mark gets a hold of hold of that 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 that, that uh, banjo. I kept saying fiddle. I'm going, that's not a fiddle, it's a, it's a Yeah, he's got one of those too. You let Brother Mark get a hold of that banjo, he can tear that thing up. And I'm like, yeah, I've always loved bluegrass. <laughs> Why? Because I'm submitting. It, I find, eh, 
Now, it's changing. I guess I'm getting old, but I'm not a big classical music person. But I tell you what, I, I hear her play the violin the other day. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. When we start quit making it about us, we start getting blessed by others. When we're willing to get out of the boat and quit saying what I want and how I want to be, and we start saying, I need to find the will of God, and the will of God is to make disciples. You know what happens when you keep going in circles? You get drunk. We keep going round and round and round and round and round doing the same old things over and over and over again. And we wonder why God's not blessing our church. And he says, listen. You got to walk circumspectly. Not as foolish, but as wise. Redeeming the time for the days are evil. He says, it's time that we quit seeking what we want and we start greeting each other with songs and praise and hymns and we start loving one another and submitting to one another. We say, God, we're running out of time. I got clothes. Several years ago, I preached a sermon in this church called, Are You Ready? And it was a sermon about the return of Christ, and I promoted it sort of facetiously. I'm going to preach about the return of Christ. Everybody's like, oh, pastor never talks about end time prophecy. This is awesome. And then when you got here, began to talk about how that when the rapture comes, those who are pure and ready are going to ascend to be with Christ, and the rest are going to be left behind. And my question was not, are you ready to go to heaven? My question is, are you ready to leave everybody else behind? Are you ready to look at your children, your grandchildren, your nieces, your nephews, your aunts, your uncles, your parents, your grandparents, your grandkids, and say, see ya. I got mine. I'm out. Are you ready to understand we're running out of time? And we have loved ones, and we have family members, and we have church members that have walked away from God. And we've sat here and go, I don't know what's wrong. Instead of reaching out a hand. Well, pastor, that's your job. No, it's not. It's your job. It's our job. We've got to get to a place that we understand we don't have time to play games. We don't have time to do something because that's what we've always done. It's time that we step out of the boat. They had always crossed the lake in a boat. But Jesus said, I got a new way. And it's supernatural.
and you can't figure it out on your own. But when you take a step of faith, when you take a step of faith, you can walk where no one's ever walked before. Church, we're running out of time. We're running out of time in our families. My wife and I, brand new empty nesters. Over this Christmas holiday, we've been able to be with both of our boys. And it was weird. Our youngest has been home for a thousand years, it seems like. It's been three weeks, four weeks. But dear Lord, I spent more money on food in the last three weeks than I did the six months leading up to that. My pocketbook is glad he's gone. We're running out of time. If your kids are at home, you're running out of time. They're going to leave. They're going to leave. Some of you, that's a some of you, that's a promise. Eventually, they're going to leave. One of these days, they're going to leave. Uh, but we're running out of time in our church. The days of living off what happened yesterday ain't going to cut it anymore. If we don't start getting some young growth in here, by young growth I mean both new believers and younger people, we're going to die. We're running out of time. And we're running out of time in humanity. Jesus is coming back. Let's straighten up our shoulders. Lift up our heads and say, God, show me a new way. Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. And I promise you he'll say come. And then we just step out of the boat. And we do what nobody thinks we can do. In our families, in our church, and in humanity. We begin to reach people like we've never reached them before. Because we don't try to mold them into what we are. We take the message of who he is and we are willing to express it in a way that they understand. I'm never about changing our message. But I'm wonderfully about changing our method. I'm never about changing the power of the Holy Spirit. We are going to be Pentecost. But we may change the setting in which we do it. We may try some different things. We may eliminate some things because they're not effective. We may let some old growth die so some new growth can come. Why are we doing this, Pastor? That's why some, some of you are going to ask that over the next 12 months. Why are we doing this, Pastor? Because we're running out of time. We're running out of time. It's time to tar- start trying some stuff. It's time to get out of our box, get out of our boat, submit to one another, be thankful in everything we do, and start being wise instead of foolish. Let's try something new.
Pastor, I, I don't know that I can step out of the boat right now. I, I'm so held back with the trials and the troubles of my life that I can't see beyond my own circumstance. That's when we start trusting God. See, God wants, if musicians will come, God wants to meet your need. Whether it's a physical need, an emotional need, a spiritual need, a financial need, a relational need. See, all those things keep us from stepping out of the boat. I'd step out of the boat and trust God, but I can't afford it. I'd step out and trust God, but I'm sick. I'd step out and trust God, but I'm just depressed. I'd step out and trust God, but I'm not sure I know God. I'd step out and trust God, but my wife, but my kids, but my parents, but my whoever. Our relationships, they all become hindrances to redeeming the time. But when we cry out to God, Lord, I'm sinking. I'm sinking in my pain. I'm sinking in, sinking in my heartache. I'm sinking in my fear, in my sickness, in my finances, in my relationships. The Bible says he reached down and picked him up. He says, if you had just believed. But I want you to hear the last words of that verse. It says, when they got back in the boat, number one, once you step out of the boat, God's going to let you come back to it when you need to. See, we never preach about that. Once Peter stepped out of the boat, Jesus didn't say, oh, you stepped out of it now. You can't get back in it. When they got back in the boat, the seas became calm. Guys, I want to show you whether you're out on walking on the water or whether you're back in the middle of the boat, I'm still in control. I'm still in control. It wasn't, it wasn't a, uh, um, they got back in the boat and everything got better and so they forgot about it. No, that's, that's why we had the story. It was God saying, listen, you stepped out. You should have had more faith. But I didn't let you sink. And I calmed your storm. For some of you, the first bit of stepping out of your boat is going to be in just a few moments coming to the front of this church and letting me anoint you with oil so that you can have deliverance from whatever's holding you back. Physical, spiritual, emotional, financial, relational. That's going to be stepping out of the boat for you because you thought you could carry it on your own. And God is about to say, let me show you my love. Let me show you my power. And from there, you're going to have the courage to keep going further and further and further and further. I want you to redeem the time. I'm going to pray a prayer, and as I pray a prayer, if you're here and you've got, one, you've got any need at all, I want to invite you to come to the front of this church. Let me anoint you with oil. Let me believe with you that God is going to deliver you. Because as another summer series I preached, 
ain't got nobody's got time for that. We ain't got time for your pain. We ain't got we're running out of time. We don't have time to wait. We've got to grab what God has. If you've got a need, I want you to come. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just come to you right now. Lord, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your mercy, your peace, and your grace. Lord, I pray that you would reach down right now and send your victory, send your power, and send your anointing. Lord, as men and women, boys and girls, begin to come to this altar, Lord, seeking freedom and seeking victory, Lord, from struggles and trials and situations in their life, Lord, I pray that you would shore up their their feet, Lord, and let them walk supernaturally out of their problems, Lord, with your help and with your power, in Jesus' name, amen. Will you come? In the presence.
of the King. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we praise you for your power, for your anointing, and for your mercy. Lord, we understand that time is running out. But Lord, we step out of the boat to reach out to your power, to reach out to your anointing,